How wonderful it is to be together this day, and we're certainly thankful for the presence of each and every one of you. I think when we look at our world today, as much as we want to believe that uh, we're people who can quote unquote get along, I think it's evident that there's much division that exists in the world, especially in the area of religion. It doesn't take much to recognize that people find it difficult to agree uh, in dealing with God. What is the right path to heaven? What do I need to do to be saved? Any of those questions that we might ask. And I would suspect that most of the difficulties exist because of an improper attitude toward God's word. Instead of thinking along the standpoint of saying, what does God want me to do? We might take a poll. Well, what do you think I need to do? What do you think I need to do? And so instead of saying, let's see what God says, we begin to listen to others. And their suggestions are what become incorporated into our determination to find out what is the right way. But in looking at some of those people and their suggestions, we find that their attitude towards God's word is not what it should be. Some feel that in looking at God's word that it's really just suggesting how we should live. You know, God's word is an outline and I can kind of fill in the gaps wherever I want. But, but that's not the attitude that we see portrayed in God's word. And yet in dealing with others, they pretty much disregard God's word. You know, it's outdated, it's antiquated. We have real important questions that need to be answered today that the Bible really can't answer. And so the attitude that a lot of people have towards the Bible is take it or leave it. Uh, it's a good book, it'll be helpful, but when it comes down to making important decisions in life, I want the right to make decisions that I believe are the most important for me and those be the decisions that God is going to accept. But that's not the way that it works. And thousands of years ago, why Solomon understood that the only place we can go to get those answers are going to be from God's word. In Proverbs chapter 13, I want to look at some verses that are found there. Proverbs chapter 13, beginning in verse 13, talks about one's attitude in dealing with the word of God. It said, Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed, but he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. The law of the wise is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. Every prudent man dealeth with knowledge, but a fool layeth open his folly. A wicked messenger falleth into mischief, but a faithful ambassador is health. We want to think about what wise Solomon has to tell us in thinking about the importance of God's word, that we should not despise God's word. And the first thing that Solomon points out is the importance of having the right attitude with respect to fearing God's word. You know, we don't like 
to fear anything. Fear, we think of as being afraid. But the Bible speaks of fear from a standpoint of recognizing God, recognizing God's power, and reverencing Him for who He is. You know, we give honor to people for, for who they are. We give honor to people because of things that they have done. We give honor to people because of the position that they might hold in society. And by honor, I mean respect. We speak well of them. We, we give them the attitude that is deserved by a person who has done this or done that. When we look at fear in dealing with it from a scriptural standpoint, yes, there's a recognition that if we don't serve God, there's an end that nobody wants to deal with. But the majority of God's word recognizes this concept of fear as a godly fear of reverence for who he is and what he's done for you and for me. And so in Proverbs 13, verse 13, he said, Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed, but he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. Or some versions would say, shall have peace. You know, back in the book of, of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6, it talks about this idea of a healthy reverence and the benefit that that reverence is for you and for me. Now I recognize that this is what we're talking about with respect to the Old Covenant, but the principles that are revealed in the Old Covenant with respect to God's Word are principles that are still found in the New Testament. God didn't say to the Old Testament people, you need to reverence my Word, and then say to the New Testament people, you can take it or leave it. No, the principles that are laid down thousands of years ago were the ones incorporated into the New Testament. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 6, as Moses is given this word to deliver unto the people, verse 24, it says, The Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he hath commanded us. Three things that Moses points out in dealing with that. In verse 24, he said, our having the proper attitude towards God's word is for our benefit. It's for us. Yes, we reverence and we serve God and we are to do that and give him all the honor that is due to him. But he tells us by our doing that, there's going to be a benefit for us. And so the benefit we find for our good is that he'll preserve us alive. Well, we know what we're talking about. The resurrection, eternal life. Obedience to him and having the proper attitude points us in that particular direction. And it shall be our righteousness. Well, we could spend all morning talking about righteousness. We hinted at that in our introduction to the book of Romans. That in following God's word, we become the people he wants us to be. We become those who are righteous. When Solomon was also inspired to write the, the book of Ecclesiastes, he said that 
fearing God, having a healthy respect for God and who he is, that's our whole duty. We could sum up everything by just saying that. Verse 13 of, of Ecclesiastes chapter 12, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of men. There's nothing else that should be on our radar. There's nothing else that we should be focusing on, but thinking about the fact that I am to serve God. How am I to serve God? According to his commandments. And if I do that, I have every guarantee and every assurance from God that I'm pleasing to him. We find then both in the Old and in the New Testament, uh, the concept of fear and the importance of fear. In Hebrews chapter 12 and in verse 28, it says, Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. That's what we're supposed to do. That is the attitude that we manifest. That in thinking about God's word and my ability to serve him, I see it as a blessing. I don't see it as an encumbrance. I don't see it as a burden. In thinking about God's word, every time I deal with it, I, I see the truth that is in it in contrast to the people of today. But obviously, as we've already noted, it's just not that way with, with many people. They don't have that healthy reverence for God's word. Jude spoke about those in verse 12. He said, these are spots in your feasts of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of wind. Trees whose fruit withered without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. He's giving all these different images. And he's saying, because they don't have a healthy reverence for God's word, it doesn't bother them to abuse you. It doesn't bother them to take things of you. It doesn't bother them to be with you and then leave and go and do whatsoever they want to do. Solomon pointed out that the right attitude is to have fear, a healthy respect for God in dealing with his word. And if we have a healthy respect in dealing with God's word, then we're going to listen to what God has to say. In Proverbs 13, verse 14, it said, The law of the wise is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. We think of a fountain, we think of a well. We think of something that provides nourishment. And one of the things that Solomon is pointing to is that when we have a healthy respect for God's word, we keep going back to it. We see it as that which is going to nourish us. And then it teaches how to escape a lot of the problems that exist in life. What God wants is for us to listen to him. He has the means to help us to escape the problems of life. As we continue in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 8. He that getteth wisdom loveth his own soul. He that keepeth understanding shall find good. So again, in thinking about what Solomon was inspired to provide for us. One of the ways that we deal with overcoming the problems of life is to see what God has to say and then hold on to it, grab it. Because God says, I'm revealing this for you, for our benefit, so that we could know what's the best way to live 
so that I can avoid all the problems that are going to fall upon people. And one way that we can do that is as parents, ensure that we instruct our children in the right way to live. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20, it says, My son, keep thy father's commandment. Forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart. Tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. When thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. For the commandment is a lamp. The law is a light. And reproofs of instruction are the ways of life. There is probably no greater responsibility that we have than, than being parents. God has blessed us with children. He's given us his knowledge for how to live to be guaranteed that we can have eternal life. And as we consume that word and as we grow in that word we now can teach the next generation we can teach our children you know I think every parent says to themselves what can I do in life to make life easier for my child what can I do in life to help my child to avoid some of the pitfalls that I have fallen into what can I do in life to make them Healthy. What can I do to make them wise? Well, first and foremost, live God's word. Present an example to them and be consistent in it. Have the proper attitude that this is going to guide me in my life. That the decisions I make are going to be based not on friends or family or whatever the latest poll is. The decisions I make are going to be based on what is found here in this book and then begin when they're small and you teach them to love this word be careful of the phrases that you use we have to go to services oh you don't don't have to go to services worship is a choice that you make but when you start teaching them when they're small we have to go you're teaching them it's a burden. And so when I become older, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do things that are hard on me. We always want to choose the, the, the easy way. When you study God's word, you talk about the blessing it is to study God's word. Make the stories come alive to them in teaching them. We learn from those we love and respect and, and you would want to believe that there's no greater love and respect that we would have than for our parents. And so Solomon was telling those that would come after him, you see, you see the word that's been given to your parents and you follow that word. And be the type of people who seek good counsel in Proverbs chapter 11 and in verse 14, it says, Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. You know, we're, we're blessed to have elders here. We're, we're blessed to have older men who have been Christians for a long period of time. And we seek their counsel. I've, I've always been blessed in this regard that 
I've always seen older people all my life, even when I remember being a young person, I've seen older people as the one I want to gravitate to because I know whether this was something I understood or whether something was explained to me, they've already been where I'm at and they know how to get past that. So if I want to get past it, I want to go to them and find out. And that's the same thing with respect to God's word. You want to go to people who know how to get things done, have figured it out. You don't go to the person who doesn't know anything. You go to the person who understands. So he speaks here about wise counselors. And of course, the counsel that we're talking about is the counsel of God's word. Yes, there are a lot of wonderful things that our, our relatives and our older friends can teach us, but unless it's founded in God's word, it falls under the realm of opinion. If any of you lack wisdom, James said in James 1 verse 5, let him ask of God that giveth to all liberally and upbraideth not. God isn't afraid for you to ask for more. God wants you to have more of what he has. Learn wisdom. Strive to understand God's will. Verse 15, good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. Learning God's word isn't going to happen in one sitting. Someone says, well, I've read the Bible. What they mean by that is, I went through it once. But God's word is alive. It's not dead words on a page. Yes, I understand again in dealing with the Old Covenant, and dealing with the Old Testament, that's been completed. But again, as we noted in the beginning, the principles that are there, <clears throat> the examples that are there, make the new understandable. What the people in the first century had as the New Testament was being revealed was the old. They learned from that. When you go through Matthew, what do we see that Matthew presents unto us? As was prophesied. He's making the prophecies come to life now. What they had in the, in the first century was the old to help them understand the new. And we, we should take that principle with us. Learning then is going to take some effort. Seeking wisdom results in our understanding, being enlightened. Paul, in writing to the Ephesians, talked about that. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, he said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the, in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. I think we all want that. We all want to have a better understanding. But it's not going to come from polls and from the opinions of others. That understanding is going to come from deeper digging, our own determination to dig deeper into God's word, to compare things and contrast things, to ask questions and then find the answers. Paul, in writing to the Ephesians, said that that was the whole purpose of these epistles being given. 
so that they could understand. Verse 3, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. This is Ephesians chapter 3 verse 3. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That was the promise that was given by Jesus to his apostles, that they would go forth and they would reveal. John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16. All of those have Jesus on the night of his betrayal talking to his disciples and saying the spirit is going to come. The spirit is going to reveal truth. The spirit is going to give you knowledge. The spirit's going to testify of me. So that when the book of Acts opens on that day of Pentecost and the spirit comes down upon the apostles, they begin to stand up and they begin to preach. And what does Peter preach? But the connection of the promises given to David through the prophets and the fulfillment of those promises in Jesus Christ. And later on, we note in the book of Acts, it says that the religious leaders took note of the apostles, how they were unlearned men. How did they get that knowledge? God gave it to them. But Paul said it wasn't just for them. Paul said it was given so we could share it with you. And he said, when we write and you read, you can understand. That's God's promise that I'm going to be able to understand. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17, Paul said, see then that you walk circumspectly. So uh, circumspectly means examine. He's not talking about walking in circles. He's saying, you need to go around and you need to look at things from every, every, every avenue that you can. So you're going to walk circumspectly. He's talking here, you know, when you get into chapter 6, you deal with the armor of God being soldiers. Well, he's talking about you examine things. You figure out what's the best way to deal with this. Walk circumspectly, not as fools, but why? What do fools do? What, what is the term we use? Fools rush in, right? People don't examine things. They jump in. Redeeming the time because the days are evil, whereby be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So Paul is talking about the fact that it's possible for us that, that we can understand God's word. Is it going to happen tonight? Is it going to happen tomorrow? Is it going to happen the day after? It happens incrementally like it does with anything. You know, when you, when you study, if you, go to, if you go to college and you study, you don't just read through the chapter once. You read through the chapter, then maybe you go back and you underline some things and you read again. And everything begins to fall in slowly over time. And so what we deal with with God's word was we don't say, well, yeah, I've read the Bible. You say, I'm reading the Bible. I continue to read the Bible. I continue to study God's word. I want those things to fall into place. And Solomon tells us in Proverbs chapter 13, he said, if you will do that, if you're going to do that, then you're not going to be the type of person who is going to be leading a life that's hard. Note what he said in verse 14. He said, you depart from snares. Notice what he said in verse 15. Transgressors have it hard. That doesn't mean my life's going to be easy. What it does mean is I'll know. I'll know some of these things and I'll know the best way to avoid them. 
I'm to act with knowledge. Verse 16, in the King James Version, it says, Every prudent man dealeth with knowledge, but a fool layeth open his folly, or, or a fool spreadeth out. The, in other words, he's saying, you know, people know who the fools are. They share their wares of foolishness with everyone. But a prudent man, and prudence is the idea of acting with measure. I, I determine what I'm going to do before I do, I do it. I don't just all of a sudden jump out and do something. Like Paul mentioned to the Ephesians in walking circumspectly, what Solomon is saying is the prudent man measures things. He looks at things and makes a determination, what's the best way, according to God's word, that I need to deal with that. So in, in thinking about that, we have to do more than just hear and understand. We have to be motivated to have the proper attitude in dealing with God's word. In John chapter 13, verse 17, Jesus said, if you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Some versions say blessed. You know, do I see God's word as a blessing that God has revealed these things unto me? Yes, I, I should see that. I should have that attitude and being thankful in effect to say, well, how can I deal with this? I can go to God's word and, and I can know what it is that I, I need to do. Certainly knowledge is important, but I think we also understand that without that knowledge, we can't, we can't serve God. Without a knowledge of his word, a proper knowledge of his word, I'm not going to be able to serve him acceptably. When Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans chapter 10, he talked about his brethren, the Jews. He said in verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Do you remember back in Matthew's gospel? In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus chastised the Pharisees. He said, they sit in Moses' seat. And he said, now whatever they bid you, observe and do. But then he said, don't do like they do. He said in verse 3 of Matthew 23, All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. He talks about the fact that they determined that they were going to develop a form of righteousness. Well, it wasn't God's righteousness. It was a righteousness they agreed on. This is the way things should be done. We all agree with that? Yeah, okay, that's the way we're going to do it. And anybody who doesn't do that, we're going to say is not from us. That's not the way God's word works. We don't get to decide what the right way is. God gets to decide what the right way is. Without his knowledge, we can't please him. Well, Paul knew what he was talking about. Paul went about and persecuted Christians. He was zealous to do that. Give me letters, he said to the high priest, and I'll go all the way up to Samaria and I'll find these people and I'll bring them back. But Paul said, I did it in ignorance. He did it in ignorance. He didn't know. So he was zealous. Get out and get these people and bring them back. But zealousness without knowledge is just ignorance quicker than other people. 
We have to have the knowledge of God's word. And then once we have that knowledge, we have to act upon it. James wrote about this in James chapter 1. Talked about the man who would know God's word and then depart from it, being like someone who just saw themselves in a mirror and then left and forgot what they looked like. Verse 22, he said, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word of God and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he is. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Later on, he said in chapter 4, verse 17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not to him, it is sin. You've got to know God's word, and you've got to act upon God's word. But you can't know it if you don't study it. And then studying it and knowing it, we can only go where God directs us to go. Only do what God tells us we need to do. And a final thought in, in dealing with what Solomon wrote in Proverbs 13. Verse 17, he said, A wicked messenger falleth into mischief, but a faithful ambassador is hell. We need to be ambassadors, faithful ambassadors, faithful representatives. An ambassador is a special messenger. Jesus said, as recorded in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 14, and in verses 31 and 32, it says, What king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to beat him that cometh against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an embassage and desireth conditions of peace. Those individuals have to know what's on the king's mind in order to be able to engage with the enemy successfully. And you can't know what's on the king's mind unless you look at what he has revealed. We think about the wonderful situation, again, looking at Luke's gospel that unfolded in the beginning and talking about uh, the birth of Jesus, Luke chapter 2. Verse 8, it says, They were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. These were ambassadors to take God's wonderful message to the people of the world. And the, the apostles were also given a like responsibility in sharing that message with us for all eternity. Paul, in, in writing to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, he said, All things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. God wants all of us 
to be his ambassadors, to take that message and share it with everyone. When Paul wrote his second epistle to Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and in verse 2, he said, The things that thou hast heard of me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So we have a role in sharing that message with others. But to be an effective ambassador, you have to follow the will of your master. We don't have any authority to change his message. It doesn't matter if we think that we're doing him a favor. If God says, here is what I want taught and here is what I want people to do, that's what we have to teach and that's what we have to do. God did not say to us, what do you think about this? He didn't say that. He didn't say, Give me some counsel so I can know a better way. But there are a lot of people that think exactly that way. They think, oh, I'm going to improve on what God says. No, that's not our role. And we certainly don't have that wisdom to do so. When we teach his message, we need to teach all of it. You know, sometimes we don't want to teach things to people because we're afraid, you know, if I, if I deal with this, they're going to reject God's word. But that's their choice. My role, teach it. Their role, accept or reject. I don't have a right to make a decision for them. My role is to teach everything. In thinking about what Solomon provides for us, he tells us that God's will is for his people. In thinking about that, we are to hear that word. Hear his commandments, hear that word. We don't think of the New Testament in, along those lines. We, we clearly think of the Old Testament as commandments. And yet what God reveals unto us, he expects we're going to obey. The force is there. When he says it, we are to do it. We're to listen to his word. That means we're to hear it and meditate upon it. To meditate means to continue to sift it through your mind. It's, it's a continual thing that we're doing and meditating upon his word. We're to know it so that we can be guided by it. That doesn't mean I just read it once. That doesn't mean that the Bible sits on a bookshelf somewhere and I can point to it. It means I have to know it so that I can, I can give an answer. You know, Peter talked about that. Peter talked about the idea that each of us has that responsibility that we're to give an answer to individuals that ask us. Verse 15 of 1 Peter chapter 3, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Well, how do I sanctify? How am I giving him a special place? By making sure his word is there. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. It comes about through God's word. You need to strive to understand. It, it's going to take some work. You know, there are some things in, in the word of God that are a little bit harder to understand than, than others are. And I, I think we, we recognize that. But that doesn't mean we can't. It just means it might take a little bit more work to figure some things out. We're to act with knowledge 
We don't act against it. That means we go in the direction that God is leading it. And thus, as faithful ambassadors, we live what we teach. Those who despise God's word, they have two choices. You can change your life to obey God's word, or you can continue the way that you're going and face God's wrath and face his judgment. But we don't want anyone to face the wrath of God. God clearly tells us that his desire is for everyone to be saved. So our counsel is obey God's word. Learn God's word. Know God's word. Obey God's word. The gospel is preached that Jesus is the Christ, the only begotten son of God, who came to this world and died on the cross, shedding his blood that we can have remission of our sins. But it didn't end there. He was buried on the third day, resurrected just as he said. He's ascended into heaven where he's seated on the right hand of the Father above, where he is King of kings and Lord of lords. Before he departed this earth, he gave his apostles a commission to go out and preach that word. And all who believe that Jesus is the Christ confess him as such, repent of their sins, and are baptized for the remission of their sins. We see them as being added by the Lord to his church, having their sins forgiven in fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. Guided by his word now with every conviction and every assurance of life eternal. And if we can help anyone to obey the gospel this morning, please let us know while we stand and while we sing.